Good morning, afternoon, and evening, wherever you are listening. Welcome to another episode of Chewing the Fat, the number one health and fitness podcast of Sierra Leone. I'm JY, he is CB, and we're extremely excited to be joined today by none other than Summer, Chris's Whippet. Summer, how are you today, mate? Well, I'll have to speak on behalf of Summer because she's actually a dog and she doesn't talk. She did um, open her mouth to your <laughs> so. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the changing up the Chill in the Fat studio today, JY. We're at, uh, we're at my pad, mate, instead of yours um, to record this episode. It's a bit of a funny one, mate, because it's uh, it's just me and you today, unfortunately. Um, we had a fantastic guest lined up who I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chat about and we're, we're disappointed to, uh, to have missed him, but we're going to team up in a few weeks' time. Um, but, mate, that was a better intro than I've ever done, I think. So I think you're in charge of that for now. We're trying to, um, yeah, we're trying to mix it up a little bit, you know. We've got to, uh, we've got to give the people what they want. They want a little bit more gusto in it. And uh, I thought, you know, why, uh, why not actually put a bit of oomph into the intro? Because so far it seemed to have been a bit lacking. It was probably because you were taking it. Now that I'm taking it, I feel like the listeners will just, like... They will be G'd up. Everyone will be standing up in their seats. But you know what? We haven't flexed about how many countries we actually have listeners in for a little while since probably season one of Chilling the Fat. And like Sierra Leone, it appears according to uh, according to our sources that we've got some fantastic loyal listeners over there. So we can only assume we're the number one health and fitness podcast. Absolutely. Until we're proven otherwise, we'll Absolutely. just roll with that, eh? And we've noticed that half of... Uh, the uh, African continent listens to us now. Um, we're pretty big in the US with 89 listeners over yeah. there. Europe, Southeast Asia. Yeah. Spain has covered. 20, which is really bueno. Um, so it's, uh, it's all happening. We're pretty um, happy. On a serious note, we did have a brilliant guest line up for today who unfortunately... Um, had something come up at the very last minute and he had to bail on us um, but I want to give him a quick pump up because we're going to record with him in a few weeks time and it's going to be an absolute belter his name is Zach Pettit um, Zach is a bloke who unfortunately um, tragically lost one of his best mates um, to a horrible disease called osteosarcoma but the work that he's done since then to raise fun- funds and awareness um, for this disease has been incredible um, we won't go into too much detail but he started his own non-profit organisation and he's actually just recently completed four marathons in four weeks um, to raise money and awareness, which is sensational. We are so excited to chat to him. Unfortunately, uh, he's not here today, but in a couple of weeks' time, we've got him lined up, and please keep an eye out for that episode because it's going to be an absolute belter. We're so pumped to have uh, Zach join us. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, But instead, today, it's just me and you, so... Throwback to uh, yeah to the vibes of season one. Um, Didn't even offer to get me some water. Actually, I might just quickly point that out on the podcast. We're in your house. I don't think there's been a time that's passed where I haven't offered you pretty much anything you want. Um, Didn't realise your legs were painted on. The fridge is five minutes, five minutes, five meters away. We'll to, Please yeah. help yourself, well, mate. I don't know about most Please people. When you go to someone's house, I feel like they you know they'll offer you some water, or coffee, or a tea, or something like that. I haven't really. I haven't really had anything. You showed me the place. This is actually the first time I've ever been in Chris's new place. He <laughs> took me around, showed me the Renos in the kitchen, um, had a little play with Summer, um, but no water. No water, mate. Look, next time. I can only learn from this experience and try to improve and be a better host for you next time, yep. mate. Thank you very much. If you could be a better podcast host as well, then you'd be <laughs> All right, um, let's get into it. So the theme of today, um, obviously a bit of change of tune today. Um, we're talking a day or a week in the life of yourself, JY. The people want to know about you. Um, they want to hear more of your lovely voice. They want to hear exactly what you get up to, what makes you tick, what floats your boat. So we're going to talk about exactly what a week in the life of your life is, um, James Young. So please, um, a couple of topics we want to talk about today. But first of all, your professional life. So obviously, um, the reason why we've come together is because, you know, as much 
um, as I like giving a shit, you are one of what I consider to be the best PTs in the industry. So um, from a professional standpoint, can you tell us what a typical day or a typical week looks like um, for yourself, mate? Um, of course I can. This uh, this is probably the most exciting episode so far because it's all about me. Um, you know, I do like talking about myself. Um, and I do also want to just note quickly, we're going to do the same with Chris on another episode. So you guys can tell us who has the more interesting life, whose life you'd rather live, um, and why it's Chris's um, when I talk about how I cry myself to sleep every night. Um, but basically, working for myself, obviously, um, one thing I found when I was uh, starting out as a young PT and a young business owner was that um, you know you can't really get up each day without a plan or without a routine. And that's why when I go deep into my day, you'll see that it is quite mapped out. I keep uh, a lot of things pretty consistent throughout the uh, day. Um, and even though some of the days may vary a little bit, which I'll go into, um, each week, those days have a general pattern that I follow. So basically I like to get up at about 5.30 to 6 a.m. and that generally depends Jesus. on nice and early. And I lo- you know, one of the biggest things, I'm sure any PT can back me up here, but one of the big things that uh, most people will ask a PT is how do you cope with the mornings? How do you get up so early? And how do you, um, you, know, how do you deal with the, uh, you, know, the pre- you know, the pre-sunrise wake-ups? And I'll be honest, I actually love them. Um, when I was a little bit younger, it was the one part of the job that I just couldn't stand. However, as I've gotten older, I've realized the earlier you get up, the more time you actually have to do stuff during the day. Um, and nothing good really happens after about 9.30 at night anyway. So getting up earlier and going to bed earlier just seems to make more sense in a general productivity sense. Um, nothing good happens after 9.30. Chris, you're looking at me a little bit... Uh, a little smirk on your face. <laughs> I am from all the Sunday morning antics and stories you tell me about your Saturday nights. So definitely uh, up a lot later than 9.30pm, mate. Well, Maybe at the Wolf of Windsor we're talking or about the Wine Beach Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the week here, not the weekend. Okay, right. So this is just, yeah. just weekdays we're talking about. Think, well, no, that's another podcast for the weekend. Okay. Uh, we'll need a whole like bloody season for that one. Sure. Um, but generally when I get up, first thing I do is I either meditate or I journal. Um, where I've recently started um, uh, mapping out, I guess, my week on a Monday um, when I first get up. So I used to do it on a Sunday and I actually do it on a Monday now because I feel I'm a little bit more um, alert first thing on a Monday morning than I am late on a Sunday night. Um, so I write out my non-negotiables for the upcoming day. I write out um, you know, what I'm going to um, uh, basically have done by the end of the day. Um, and I also like to write in any periods of free time I might have, um, just because as I get busier and busier, I like to make sure that free time is, um, prioritized. So if I don't write it out, it'll get filled with other meaning, I was going to say meaningless, but other things such as work or such as, um, yeah, pretty, 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 pretty meaningful things. Um, sorry guys. Um, but I'll, um, I'll make sure that I do write out the things that are, um, or the, the times that are for myself, um, so that I make that happen. Um, once I've done all this, so also I should say, sometimes I also meditate. Um, I don't meditate as much as I used to. Um, I actually quite rarely do now. Um, but I used to set the timer for five minutes on the waking up app by Sam Harris. That was after doing his, um, beginner meditation course. Um, and I used to just do some breath work and sort of, um, uh, I guess get myself ready for the day. Um, however, I stopped that to journal. 
Once I've done that, I shower. I get up and have a shower um, first thing in the morning just to wake me up properly. Um, and then from there, I go for a walk, get a coffee um, down at a lovely cafe called Cornerstone and Co. Um, this is actually I should say this is on a Monday or Wednesday generally. Um, and whilst I walk down there, I go I listen to my Spanish because I'm currently learning Spanish. Um, I'll reply to any voice memos that I have from um, the previous day or so from clients um, while I'm on the walk. Um, and I'll just generally get myself ready for that day. However, on a Tuesday or a Friday, I'm actually in the studio from 6 a.m. taking clients, okay? So I, as I said before, I love to have the early mornings um, because I like to get shit done um, earlier in the day. That's why I only work the two mornings a week, okay? Because I can keep on top of pretty much all admin, um, all business work, and I can actually keep on top of all my clients and online clients by having those mornings off. Whereas if I was to fill them with um, one-on-one sessions or group um, work, it would just end up being time that I would lose to be able to spend both building my business Equinox, um, quick little plug, that's at Equinox PS on Instagram for all you listeners, um, or it would be, um, you know, spent, um, I guess, helping my online uh, team. So, um, yeah, that's the Monday, the Wednesday, the Tuesday, and the Friday. Thursday morning I have off, okay? So I generally just do kind of whatever I feel like doing first thing in the morning, but I do keep that walk in the Spanish. Um, and uh, sometimes I do a little bit of, you know, cook an extra exciting breakfast or something a little bit earlier than I normally would because I normally eat at about 9.30, 10 o'clock, okay, on the, uh, the working days. Um, and that's only because I don't feel like eating until about then. And I've found over the years that's what works for me. So obviously we are a health and fitness podcast um, and being a coach myself, um, a lot of people, you know, they want to know when the best time to have breakfast is. So my answer is it completely depends as all good things do. Um, 9.30 to 10 o'clock works for me because it means that I can keep my food towards, um, or I can keep the majority of my food later in the day. Whereas if I was to eat when I first get up, I don't really feel hungry and I'm eating, which is taking, you know, some food volume away from later in the day when I might be hungry, okay? That 9.30 to 10 o'clock meal as well generally just consists of um, uh, some yogurt, some berries, some, you know, some oats or some cereal or something put together, a bit of protein, quite low fat uh, and some carbs because at 11 o'clock I train. So I get my training session at about 11 o'clock. Again, same thing. A lot of people ask when the best time to train is. Generally, it depends. I like 11 o'clock because I've had a coffee by then or even maybe two. I've eaten. Um, I've gotten some work done. I've generally been pretty productive um, and I'm feeling like I can actually put a fair bit of mental effort into uh, into my training. Um, anything you want to ask there, Chris? I am, I am going... No, I like that. I think well, the, the biggest thing I yeah probably wanted to know, I think listeners will be keen on it. Now that you've mentioned that, is is your training. So obviously, you're saying you train eleven every day. Tell me what that's like. What's your frequency like at the minute? Who does your programs? What are you training towards? Um, yeah, tell us about your training. Brilliant, then. brilliant. So at the moment, uh, Lynn Purcell, um, one of our previous guests and a very good mate of mine and yours, Chris, um, is my coach. He is. Programming me at the moment for both footy and uh, just general aesthetics because I'm still, you know, I'm still a 28 year old bloke at heart and I want to look as good as I can. That's pretty much what my training's for. When I say footy, I'm talking like just to make sure that I stay injury free. 
So we're very uh, wary of volume. Um, we're making sure that we're doing um, some form of, um, I guess, squat, dead, and bench just to keep my general strength up, but nothing that's going to sort of fatigue me so that I can then go to footy training um, and play on the weekends um, relatively fatigue and pain-free. Um, but so much of my programming at the moment just consists of fluff. It's really just to, you know, um, I hate to say it because a lot of people are like, oh, you should always have like, you know, that extra, yeah. I don't, you know what I do say this to a lot of clients, you should have that sort of um, performance goal. You want to have that performance goal. Well, for me, that's footy. Turning up on a weekend and playing a game of footy is kind of, that's my performance goal. And so much of that comes from actually training down at the club with the boys, um, down at the Hampton Rovers, uh, who are currently, we're currently sitting second on the ladder in the uh, thirds. So the old clubbies, we call them. But uh, down there, so we're um, hopefully pushing for a flag. The uh, the training that I do do in the gym is more just to... It's more for my... Like I like to say it's almost for my mental health. I find it if I train in the gym, the rest of my day is normally pretty good. Um, I get a lot out of it. Um, yeah, mentally. And, you know, being able to go in and get a pump to work my arms, to um, go to a lot of upper body stuff, which I find fun. Um, you know, it's not that I'm looking in the mirror each day afterwards and going, God, like, check me out. It's more that I look in that moment, that hour that I have there, and I feel like I'm doing something, and it's something that I get a lot out of. So you're training for footy twice a week or once a week during the week? Uh, at the moment, twice a week. So twice a week for footy and a game on a Saturday. So yep. then how many times are we in the gym in between there? So I'm currently in the gym six days a week. It's so a lot of training on top of... You know, three yeah, lots of footy every week. It is, and that's why I've got uh, the great man running my programs. Um, Linen's fantastic at being able to control my um, my volume and my fatigue, my general fatigue levels. Um, we do do mainly a sort of five exercise um, day, where each day generally consists of five exercises. The first two of which are a little bit bigger. Um, so there's only two legs days a week, and I make sure that they're on the days that I train footy. Um, another good little piece of information, a lot of um, people ask me when the best time to train legs is if you play sport. We generally say it's on, well, it depends again, of course, it depends on how you pull up, but on the day of training is often the best because, yeah, you might be a little bit fatigued later on in that day from the leg session. If the leg the leg session, the lower body session during the season shouldn't be that intense. You shouldn't be looking to absolutely send it in the gym on the legs day. You should be looking to stimulate, okay? And to, you know, I guess just slowly improve your general movement and your, um, you know, you're not looking to increase the volume quite drastically, so you shouldn't be pulling up too sore. But by doing it on the same day, it means that you don't have that, for lack of a better word, you don't have the delayed onset muscle soreness. You don't have that, um, you know, that post-legs day sort of fatigue. You're doing it on the same day as the next day. You are then fatigued from the two the legs day and the training for footy or I would be um, but you've got plenty of time to recover sounds like you got the balance right and I think this is something we touched on on our podcast with Brenton Eggleston which might have been in episode 3 of this season um, and it's something the local footballers struggle mm. with a lot is managing that leg day yeah. with their footy training because it's like well if we're smashing our legs in the gym yeah. we find it so hard to recover and to play footy so a lot of people leave their leg days out completely because it's probably not what they like the most it's not the ones that yeah. they put on the beach etc but then when we're not training legs well your risk of injury and soft tissue injury in football is so much higher so it's like we've got to find a way to get that in but not be having a ridiculous amounts of volume to be smashing yourself and so you're not recovering and you can't run around and kick your three or four goals on a Saturday morning and like yeah can't stop can't stop nodding my head to that mate that's spot on I remember when 
I um, first started as a PT. Generally, we'd have a um, you know an amateur footballer come in, and we'd kind of look to map out his training. And even the naive young trainer I was would then say, you know, well, we won't worry about legs because you're playing footy. So footy is your legs. But like we look back now, and obviously, like I'd like to like to just remind everyone that was about eight years ago. So it's not me now. But the um, yeah, the general gist was that you don't train legs. However, we know that. Um, you know, by training legs, not only are you improving your strength, which is going to improve obviously your speed and your performance on the field. Um, and we say training legs. You know, we're not saying just as many leg extensions and walking lunges as we can. We're actually saying doing the you know the patterns such as hip hinges, doing some form of um, you know bilateral um, squat pattern things that are actually going to um, you know improve your strength in the you know the ranges of motion and then the planes of movement that translate to the footy field. But it's also going to you know, by actually moving muscle, it's going to make sure that muscle can therefore be recruited. So that's why, you know, generally footballers should be doing RDLs, they should be doing hip thrusts, they should be doing, you know, sorry, not should, but they can be doing these exercises so that they, you know, they stay relatively injury free. Um, And that's something that, you know, like I said, I do on the same day that I'm going to train. And powerlifting has been a goal of yours in the past, mate. I know you've competed a couple of times, and from what I understand, it's a goal of yours in the future. Is that correct? And if so, how do you juggle um, powerlifting goals with obviously football season at the moment? Is it just on the back burner completely for you until off season, or yes. what happens there? No, spot on. So powerlifting is something that I want to continue with. Um, however, obviously during the footy season, you just can't do the one and two things. Um, I did try that a couple of years ago, um, and it. It, it just didn't work because you're obviously pulling up a lot sore from powerlifting training. There is a lot more systemic fatigue going on and there has there, there is a lot more volume required if you actually want to you know, get the most out of it. Plus with the impact work that comes with running and taking hits on the field and things like that, it just ends up being a bit of a recipe for disaster and something I definitely don't recommend people trying to um, do at the same time. There are a lot of sports that you actually can kind of juggle with powerlifting and there are a lot of people out there who do. Obviously, there is, you know, there are diminishing returns when you try to spread yourself thin like that. But, you know, the uh, the football and contact, even contact sport, and to a general extent, um, mixed with powerlifting just doesn't work. So I do want to do that afterwards. I think a lot of people sort of with powerlifting, you can almost do a comp at any time. Think about it this way: like, if I was to not train for a comp, but I know how to squat, dead, and bench, and then just the comp rolled around and I got up on the platform, like you'd still hit the three and you'd hit numbers. You just wouldn't hit the numbers that you're probably capable of if you trained. So that's why once the season's done, it just then comes down to planning out which comp in the future looks the most enticing and then training for that one. So if I stop footy and think our finals, if we do in the flag end early September, um, it means that, okay, when's the next comp that suits me? It could be 10 weeks away, it could be December. It could be late November, whatever it is, but it comes down to training for that, okay? So obviously coming back into it, I have to relearn the patterns that I haven't been doing. However, because my training during the footy season has had um, some form, I've been doing trap bar deadlifts, okay? Um, I have been squatting until recently, which I pulled back on just because I was finding that um, Bulgarian split squats were more suitable with um, footy and I was getting more out of them. Thanks to you, Chris, that was one of your recommendations. Um, I have also been bench pressing, obviously. It means that it doesn't take me long to shift those exercises around, put the belt on and start, you know, 
lifting heavier um, heavier loads for like you know for less reps. You you, you can sort of trance um, you know tran- you can sort of move into that specific powerlifting training pretty easily. A lot of people put a little bit too much thought I feel into it. Um, but then again, if you're a very high level athlete, that's very different. But you probably wouldn't be playing footy if you were a high level powerlifter, and vice versa. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty cool to see how you can juggle playing a competitive team sport um, as well as training a yeah. ridiculous amount, six days a week. We know, we've spoken about it a million times, recovery is so important. Sleep's yeah. the most important aspect of recovery. Um, how do you get a good night's sleep, mate? What's your routine when it comes to that? Because we know that you do. We know that you do value that, and it's something that's important when you're training as much as you are and working as much as you are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just to you know, just to touch on, I guess, in the lead up to that, I the rest of my day generally consists of clients from about three o'clock, but I do do work at a cafe from um, you know roughly about midday, tied in with when I have lunch, which is generally post workout. Um, in that period of time there where I'm at the cafe and I'm actually doing work, the most important thing I find is to cut caffeine by about midday, okay, so that I can sleep that night. I also try to keep my food as early, uh, it's that 9.30 meal. Obviously it's my first one, but I then try to get all my food out of the way by about um, 7 o'clock, 7.30. Obviously depending on when I finish work, sometimes I finish a little bit later. Um, but the reason being is that meal timing, like we do have, we do have a lot of research um, that says that like the timing of your meals isn't ideal. Well, sorry, it isn't really that important in regards to building muscle or losing weight, and that you know general protein levels or your calorie balance. These things matter so much more. However, when it comes to chrononutrition, which is a fancy word for um, basically the time of eating, um, we do have a fair bit of research, and still are currently putting a lot of work into finding out how it impacts our sleep. Um, and one big thing that I find, and a lot of people also find, is that if you eat or leave your food too late, it generally does disrupt your sleep due to digestion. Because your digestion's happening, I guess, just completely subconsciously all the way through. And if that impacts your sleep, it's therefore going to impact your um, your mood, okay, your general energy levels, um, stress, because you're not getting as good a night's sleep, and therefore you're probably going to make bad food choices, you're probably going to get up a little bit later, so you're going to move a little bit less. Um, stress, increased cortisol. We're not going to um, obviously be able to, um, yeah, perform at our best because we haven't had that good night's sleep. So it's kind of like it, it's a funny one because it's not that the food itself late is impacting our body composition or our performance. It's that it's impacting our sleep. And as we know, listen back to. One of our previous episodes, Chris, do you remember which one it was off the top of your head? Uh, I think it was number seven. Oh, something like that. Season one. Or eight, <laughs> season one. Um, sleep is crucial. Okay, it is literally our life force. So that's why, yeah, that's why I make sure I eat by then. But caffeine done by midday, that's so that I get plenty of time um, to not have caffeine in my system so that I can sleep. But my bedtime routine, let's bring it right round because that was the question you originally asked. It was. Um, we got there. We got there. Um, is that I wind down about 8.30, okay? Um, I'm not a big, like, Netflix uh, um, TV show movie sort of person at night. Um, I'm, I hate Thursday night footy. <sighs> Thursday night footy kills me. I was legitimately going to say yeah. exactly the same thing. There's, uh, it's, it's the worst, Because I'll always go to bed a little bit later, and I really just want to caveat it by saying that. The, fo- the footy on a Thursday night does throw my routine out a little bit, but it is only... I think they only have, like, six or seven games a year, so... 
you know, at the end of the day, it's still 85, 90%. Um, the, um, the big thing, I guess, with um, the bedtime routine is I keep it consistent. So obviously not Netflixing and things like that. Sometimes I do, but I end it by about 8.30 because then I start to read, I start to do Spanish um, on my phone or I meditate. Um, sometimes I, or previously I used to journal, so I used to write the highlights of the day. I'd complete the, um, um, I've completely forgot the name of the diary. Resilience um, Project? The Resilience Project, <laughs> but the diary, the name of it, um, the Gratitude Diary, I think it was called. Hugh Van Kylenberg's Diary. I can't remember exactly what it's called. I'm sorry, Hugh, if you were listening, which he's a big fan he of the podcast. He will be. So he'll be on here. Um, but I used to complete that before bed every night. Um, now I've just found there's other things that I prefer to do that work better. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Everybody will find that they have their own routine. Um, but the reason I do this is because they're not stimulating activities. So reading a book, um, I'll try to read fiction at night. Um, what are you reading in the minute? At the moment, God, I just said that and they put me on the spot because I'm not reading fiction. I'm actually reading a book um, currently called Apocalypse Never and it's about climate change um, and alarm alarmism. So it's not fiction, but it's not a... Is it's climate change stupid. fiction, is it? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, but if you read the book, it's actually quite a... It's quite a, a political it's statement. Quite a good, it's quite a good read. Basically, you know, the, um, the author's basically explaining that you know, a lot of the current rumblings about how we're all going to die in 10 years because of, you know, um, rising sea levels and temperature change and things is basically, that's fiction. Um, and that there's less to worry about than we think, however, it's still an issue. But he's basically trying to bring light to the fact that there's bigger issues in the world than what a lot of these alarmists are saying. Um, very good read, actually. Very, very, very good read. I'm only about a quarter of the way through, but definitely highly recommend it um, for anybody who does have an interest in just like... Um, I guess general um, current affairs because obviously we do know that climate change is probably one of the biggest things on the uh, human agenda currently um, but it is a bit dry like I'll be honest it's not the most exciting thing which is probably what puts me to sleep helps you get to <laughs> so that or Spanish or meditating it helps me wind down and I basically don't have a bedtime I just put the phone book whatever it is down when I'm tired okay turn the light off and off I go um big thing about me as well i like to have a diffuser on before i go to sleep i've taken a photo of that before i uh what's a diffuser diffuser basically just spits like nice smelling smoke in my room calms me down a bit of lavender my favorite scent is lavender my second favorite research that shows lavender helps us to relieve uh release melatonin which helps us get to sleep see i didn't know that yeah that would make sense um Lavender is my favourite scent, and vanilla is my second favourite scent. So one or two. So I have one of those, and I love sandalwood. That's my third. Um, but I put those in the diffuser. Off I go, um, and then I also sleep with rain sounds. So I like to have a little app that I put on, make some rain sounds, which is uh, all night. Yeah, just um, no, no, no I put it on all night. So I wake up to it like it comes on, and then turns off, and my alarm goes off. And and what happens if it's actually raining? Do you not put the app on? So unfortunately, <laughs> my apartment um, where I live, um, on in the lovely uh, town of Hampton, is um, quite. What's the word I'm looking for? You, you don't really hear the rain. The roof kind of comes out a bit, so the rain doesn't quite land close enough to the apartment. So if it is raining. You unfortunately don't hear it. Unless so we need artificial storm. rain noises. No so matter. artificial rain noises are my favourite. <laughs> and I set it up to sound like rain on a tent, which is just, it's just, it's so nice. And um, that generally puts me to sleep um, pretty quick. I'm, I am a fast sleeper, um, so that's fortunate. Lately, though, I have been putting on like sleep lessons for Spanish. 
So I've been trying to learn like Spanish when I sleep and so far it hasn't done shit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, maybe no. that's because half the things they say, I'm like, I already know how to say this. So I don't know if that's a thing, but mm. yeah, it, it is interesting, but that's my routine. And awesome. I, I really do want to stress the importance of consistency in waking up in sleep times, in what you do before you go to bed, when you get up from, you know, when you get out of bed, all these things. Um, it's really, really, really important. Nice. I like that, mate. We've got a got a sense of your professional life, a sense of your training, a sense of your sleep routine, a sense of yeah, probably your diet and your food. Um, we're, we've obviously spoken quite a lot about mental health on this show, and, and it seems like there's quite a few things you've already spoken about here that are really important for that for you. You know, your meditation, your journaling, your sleep routine, and your training. But is there any other non-negotiables or any other routines or habits that you have regarding looking after your mental health, your own well-being, or yeah, just making you feel good and enjoying your weeks mate funny that you should say that mate because i actually have written down my non-negotiables and i tick them off every day um in a little uh a little notes thing on my phone but um, i'm quite ocd i hate using that because i think a lot of people with ocd take offense to it but i do have some element of ocd um and i need to achieve these following things or else it does impact my mood um and those are i need to drink I don't have an exact amount of water I drink, but it needs to be enough. And I just know when it's enough. Um, Generally, it's somewhere between two and four liters. Um, I need to make sure that every meal I eat has some form of fruit or veg, or else I am not happy with myself. Um, Sure. So, fuck, like on the weekend, if I have a pizza or something like that, it's the same shit. I make sure that there's enough veg on that pizza. Um, I need to have the consistent sleep patterns. Um, I know my mood really does suffer when I don't um, have my sleeping in check. Um, I have to have done some form of training. So whether that's footy training, gym training, playing a game of footy, um, going for a run, like it has to be something. Um, I have to get at least seven and a half thousand steps, if not 10, that's important to me. Um, I need to have done some form of Spanish. Okay, that's I, I, I kind of cycle through hobbies, but since the first lockdown last year, so it's been about 18 months now, Spanish has been my hobby. So that's what I have to have some like lesson or something like that. And then I also have to read one article or piece of information in regards to the fitness industry. Um, so, you know, I use things like um, the mass research review. Um, I use weightology. I go through any of the books that I have from RP, Juggernaut. Um, I even basically just go on PubMed. It, it's, I know it sounds silly, but it could be the most boring thing in the world or it could be the most exciting article or it could be, you know, a, um, a really intense, you know, study that I won't actually understand or won't ever use um, or it could be something very basic that is completely pointless as well. But I just have to have something. It just makes me feel like I have put some effort into my education. So those are basically the seven things that I have to achieve each day or else things fall apart. But Awesome. That's pretty much it. That's mate. great. I love that. I love that list of non-negotiables that just gets done no matter what. That's awesome. And mate. I pray to my bulldog shrine. <laughs> with my big picture of Josh Bruce. Shout that's out awesome. to him if he's listening. That's that's well. It's all awesome. Besides the besides the Josh Bruce shrine, I'm not sure about that. Yep, I reckon there's a fair few dog supporters who have one out there at the moment. Um, cool. Well, we might wrap that up there. I would love to finish if you've got something for us, mate. Just a, just a bit of a Spanish phrase, something for us in Spanish, oh. mate. With all this learning that you've been doing. Mate, you've put me on the spot here because where do I start? Like, there's so much I could Just say. Just give us something, mate. Um, some, some Spanish sentence to, uh, to end the episode. No quiero justificarme, pero... <laughs> to, enta- to intentar justificarme. 
cool. Now can you translate that no, to English, that's please? For everybody else to go and research now. It could be real, it could be fake, but off you go. We're leaving it a mystery. Done. That's what I am, a man of mystery. Thanks for chewing Until the today, fat. Until today, where you now found out all about me. Thanks for chewing the fat with us about your life, JY. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure.